0: You're listening to Life Church podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Okay, let's get into uh, into the, the, the scriptures here this morning. This this today uh, is is kind of building and tagging on last week. We talked about this idea of fasting uh, with prayer. We really challenge you to pray uh, and fast. Uh, Pastor Dave has come back now with a real. Uh, good way for you to start to implement this concept of fasting in your life we also talked about the possibility of over the period of this prayer series that some of you would choose to fast a longer period of time um, and that at the end of the series we would have a prayer time here on a Sunday evening we'll gather we'll have worship uh, praise and worship and uh, then we'll have an opportunity uh, after reading some scriptures together uh, for people to come up and and to have people pray for them uh, For particular needs that you have, like physical healing, uh, financial needs, uh, career. Changes. I mean, it could be any number of things. Emotional needs in your life, uh, family dynamics. What we're not—we're not limiting this prayer time. Whatever your particular need and struggle is, we want you to come, and we will be happy to pray with you. And all together, we're going to believe that God is going to show up. Because the idea for fasting, or the, the concept of fasting, is that we are petitioning God to intervene, to come, show up, to do something significant. And so, we will expect that God will be here with us, and we will agree with you and pray with you and. Love love you, and encourage you as you develop your prayer life and your fasting experience, okay? So today we're going we're to continue on in this idea of prayer, and we're going to talk about prayer in terms of kind of um, the, the tough side of prayer. And uh, what we want to say today is pray and don't give up, all right? Pray and don't give up. And there are two big ideas that I want to talk to you for just a few minutes here this morning about. And one is prayer is hard. And number two, in prayer you need to persevere. All right? Prayer is hard and you need to persevere. And so this is our challenge today to grab a hold of, is that, that as we pray and as we seek God, we are going to find challenges and difficulties along the way. But the idea here is that we don't quit, we don't fall short uh, in our prayer life, and we, we stay in it and we persevere. And so let's look and see what the Bible might say about some of that this morning, okay? So let's first begin with this idea uh, that prayer is hard, and let's go to Matthew chapter 26, and let's begin looking here. This is a Um, a very familiar passage, I think, to most of us here. Uh, This is the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to begin at verse 36, all right? Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Now you sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled, verse 38. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, make this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is a gripping passage This is is an intense place for Jesus. He finds himself in the agony of trying to do the Father's will. And the wrestling that is entailed as his flesh begins to move him. And he realizes that he does not want in his flesh to do what the Father wants him to do in the spirit. And so there's this battle going on inside of, of Christ. And... He is wrestling with this thing, and he goes into prayer over all of this. Now, I want to try to take two things out of this for you this morning, all right? And I, I realize that we're taking a passage here, and we're looking at a situation and a circumstance that you and I will not likely ever have to endure. As, as Western Christians, none of you are probably going to be asked to, to be crucified, on a cross for, for, for the sins of others, all right? Yeah, that's not going to happen to you, all right? In other cultures, some people are crucified because of their faith. Of course, they can't take away sin. But the reality here is that, that the Son of God entered into a time of prayer, and as He entered into this, we begin to see... The picture of Jesus and the difficulty for him that he is faced with at this time. And I think there are two ideas or two tracks that are going on here. And I want to kind of bring those out quickly to you. And number one is that oftentimes when you go into prayer, you go into a sorrowful place. You go into a difficult place. And I think we have this misconception about prayer, especially in Western culture, that prayer is supposed to be this phenomenal time of excitement and joy and we're happy and, and, and everything's going to be all right and, and we're going to get all the right answers and everything is good and it's even fun. And we see from the life of Jesus in his very focused prayer here, that as he began to pray, he began to feel the depth of what he was carrying in his heart in prayer. And he began to feel sorrowful, he began to feel troubled, he began to, to, to suffer and to agonize over this decision that he must make in obedience to the Father. And I want to challenge you and I that not all of our prayer life is going to be uh, fun. Not all of our prayer life is going to be joyful. God is going to call you into the places of agonizing before Him. God is going to call you into the places of ultimate surrender. God is going to ask you for your life in prayer. I honestly think that's one of the reasons that many of us don't pray very much is because we know that when we get into the place of prayer, God might speak to us. And he might ask hard things of us. And so we have a tendency to avoid that. But we see here Jesus in this situation and we see him going to the father and he's saying, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink this cup. The second time he 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 comes back into prayer, he's saying, you know, I would rather this cup pass from me. But if I have to take it, I will. And ultimately, his, his relinquishing of his, of his self, if you will, is to say, you know what? I don't want this. But nevertheless, it's your will that needs to be done here, Father. And so we see a dying. It's said by many that, that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He died long before that. He died in the Garden of Gethsemane. He made he made. A commitment to the Father to lay his life down right there. And from that place, he was able to focus on what God required of him. And what the will of the Father was. And I believe that for you and I, if we are going to enter in a true life of prayer, it is going to require of you and I a dying of ourselves, And that is hard. That is hard to do. And I want to challenge you and I to lay our lives down. Present... Your body, a living sacrifice, the Bible says, which is your reasonable act of worship under God. And as we lay that life down, I believe your, your prayer life can improve dramatically. It can become much deeper, much more impacting because you're not praying out of your own heart or out of your own desires or out of your own soul, but you actually can pray the will of the Father. But I think we also see another track here that, that is... is Something that I think we all can relate to very much, and that is this battle of the flesh and of the spirit. It's not just an issue of sometimes our prayers are going to be challenging, or sometimes our prayers are going to be difficult, or sometimes our prayers are going to be agonizing. But there is a dimension of us that we haven't yet overcome in this earth, and that is that we are flesh creatures. And it is not in our soul to pray, it is in our spirit. And so Jesus returns to these men. This is amazing. We're not talking about someone on the peripheral here. When we talk about the disciples who followed Jesus, these were not men who were on the peripheral. This is not someone who's just out there and maybe kind of floats into church every once in a while. This isn't somebody who, who dabbles in spiritual things. This isn't someone who, who is, is overly worldly or overtly worldly and just kind of, kind of tries to, to taste the spiritual side of life once in a while. And so it's hard to pray. These are the men that Jesus personally went to. He walked by them and he, he pointed them out and said, you follow me. You follow me. You follow me. And the Bible says they laid down everything. Their future, their, their careers, their possessions, if you will. And they followed after him. And they became his disciples. And out of that group of disciples, he picks those that he feels very close to and and very intimate with. And says, now, come and pray with me. Support me as I pray right now. I am troubled. I'm vexed in in, in my spirit. He he says, I'm I'm troubled even to my death. Here, pray with me. And they go and he says, all right, you, you stay right here. And he goes over here by himself and he starts to pray and he starts to agonize. And somewhere in that he needed, obviously, to reconnect with these men. And he walks back over here and he looks at them and realizes that they're sleeping. And so it's it's pretty obvious that he awakens them because now he responds to Peter. Could you not just, like, pray for an hour? You know, could you? I mean, I don't know exactly how long he was there alone. But but he's saying, couldn't you just do an hour? You know, that's, that's all I'm asking of you here is an hour of, of, of supporting me. And then Jesus makes this very keen observation that's very telling and very revealing, I think, for you and I as well. And he says, that spirit of yours is very willing, but your flesh is weak. And he goes back over and he prays again and he's troubled again and he's agonizing with with the Father over this whole thing and then he comes back again and he goes, you're sleeping again. And so there's this, this back and forth here that goes on. How many of you have knelt somewhere? I won't even ask you that question. Let me tell you what I did this week. I woke up one morning really early and couldn't sleep and I was just kinda troubled about some of the things in my own life and, and uh you know, kinda talking to God and kinda wanting to go back to sleep. You know, it wasn't like I really got up and said, God let's meet and let's chat. Uh I I, I my flesh really did love the bed that I was sleeping in and the warmth of the blanket and, and all of that kind of stuff and I'm looking at the at the clock and, and it's like four oh nine and I'm going, Man, you know, I could get another hour in here probably if if I could just close my eyes long enough and, and my heart rate would just go down enough and I could, you know, I wouldn't be thinking. If I could just shut these thoughts off, you know, I could get back into that mode. I could probably even get back into a dream, you know, uh, and, and, and get another, another four, at least 45 minutes. Let's just, let's figure that, you know, 45. I'm, I'm doing this with me, you know. Um, and, and so I, I, I wrestle with that until finally it, it, it is time to get up. And I haven't rested. I haven't slept. And then I get up and I, and I, I, I go to work and, and then I come here to the building to, to, to work and, and uh, Pastor Dave and I are dialoguing about some stuff and I didn't tell him that I hadn't had that rest and that I was sleepy but, but he was talking to me and I, could, I, could, I was like, I hope he doesn't see how heavy my eyelids are because he's going to think I'm really bored with this conversation and I'm not but I could just like fall asleep right here. And somewhere in the conversation I began to think weird thoughts and I thought, you know what? I could lay down right here in this floor, and I could I could go to sleep right here on this floor, right in front of him. I could just sleep. I could I wouldn't even care if like drool came out of my mouth. I wouldn't care. I, I, I lost all sense of propriety and humility, and, I, and my pride was out the window and all that, you know, because I was so tired. And so after he went on his way, I went into my office and I knelt down. I have these ugly orangey kind of chairs in my office they're really ugly um but but I just I I like knelt in front of one and I kind of like laid my head down in the chair now I knew why I was doing that if I had wanted to stay awake and pray I, I have a I have a wooden chair at my desk that swivels that would have been the perfect chair to like kneel at that would have kept me awake probably longer But these orange chairs are soft and they're fluffy and even though they're ugly, they're appealing. And I laid my head down there and in a little bit, I woke up. Something was wet on my face. I was happy. But I didn't pray. And then I was like, oh Jesus, thank you. I I appreciate grace. (laughs) I love you, Jesus. I need you. I need you to help me. I'm troubled. And I'm back down on the, sofa, on the chair again. My spirit is... I wanted to pray. I know I need to pray. But that flesh drew me in to that orange, ugly chair. And there I found rest for a few moments. Not comfortable rest, but my flesh was so willing. How many of you can identify with something like that? You know, whether it's your, thank you for raising those hands. I appreciate that. Because I don't think we're that much different, folks, than Peter or James or John. I would love to identify with, with Peter in his boldness and his courage and his preaching fiery repentance. But I identify more with him in his impetuous, uh, sudden, quick outburst and his need to sleep instead of pray. And I think we all do. Prayer is hard. Prayer is challenging for us. Let me ask you one more question and raise your hand again with me and identify with me. How many of you know you really need to improve your prayer life? Wow. Yeah, me too. Me too. And so that's why I bring this to you. I I won't... I don't want to scare you away from prayer today. I want to bring you into it. I want to, I want to tell you, hey, this is, this is normal. This is the way we are as humans, as in our humanity, in our fallen nature. We have weakness in our flesh. And I want to challenge you and I that we get beyond this idea that prayer is hard. It is hard. But I believe that we can break through that place and that we can have a dedicated prayer life. I believe that we can make a difference in prayer if we, if we do persevere. And, 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 and that's the next big idea that I have here is that, that, that persistence may be necessary in your prayer life. It may require you to, to stick with it, to stay with it a little bit. Some years ago, when, when I was personally more involved in citywide type of ministry, and I used to host pastors to come over to our church, and once a week we would host them and we would feed them a breakfast uh, together, and then we would do something together. And I would, I would always try to bring something to the table that would benefit all of the pastors, and, and I, I really did try to help them... Uh, by equipping all of us more as pastors and, and growing us and maturing us as pastors. And so we went through a video series uh, or a DVD series uh, uh, put out by Ed Silvoso. And, and Ed Silvoso uh, was a South American evangelist who did uh, was in, involved in many, many big revivals and, and much evangelism. Um, and... Uh, he, uh, he put this together as a, as a series that would try to help bring pastors in a community together and the churches together uh, and, and, and how people see the value of working together uh, as the body of Christ and persevering uh, in that work and, and prayer being a big, big, big part of that whole process. And he gives an illustration uh, somewhere in, in that series. Um, and, and it's based on a book called uh, That None Should Perish. All right. And the idea was that before, I mean the big idea of it was that before uh you share jesus with somebody share that person with jesus in other words pray for that person first and then you can go to that person afterwards and and talk to them and and the benefits and the effectiveness of all of that and and then joining together with others to to evangelize your community some some good stuff there Uh, but he he talked about persevering prayer and in one of the places in his material in some of his teachings he talked he used an, an illustration and he said that this guy went into his basement now his basement was Concrete walls. The, the walls had been poured, and they were concrete, and and uh, they had 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 been uh, painted over uh, in in this basement. And uh, there were some problems in the basement, and this guy needed to lift lift the house or something. And anyway, he had to, he had to break down the wall. The wall had to come down. And so it, uh, he Ed Savosso or, or or whoever was was observing this and sharing it uh, by way of story. Uh, said you know, he, he took this like this big sledgehammer kind of thing and and the guy he just started banging into the wall you know so so he's just like hitting this wall hard and he keeps hitting this wall and he keeps hitting this wall and he doesn't stop hitting this wall and at about 36 or so swings somewhere in there he stops, and he's looking at this wall, and he sees absolutely nothing. I mean, there, nothing has happened. You know, he's 36 swings. I mean, if you've, if you've ever took a sledgehammer and really swung it hard, that takes a toll on, on the body, okay? And, uh, and so he's into this and sweating and, and, and all of this, and he's, he's very uh, dismayed over, I'm not getting anywhere. And so something in him just sort of rises up, and he's like, well, I'm just going to try really hard, you know, like a couple more times. And so he just gets it, and he's like, Room! And that sledgehammer, that metal head of that hammer, makes contact with that concrete. And not only does the, the, the concrete pieces sort of fly, but there's a crack. Number 37 made a difference and he goes, whoa, 38 more crack, 39. And suddenly, larger portions of that concrete wall start to fall. By 40, he's taken down a wall. I want to use that analogy in two ways for you this morning. Number one is to tell you that prayer is hard and it takes hard work sometimes to pray. And you don't always see the benefit of that work right away. (laughs) But you sometimes have just got to persevere. And the other thing is that I want to say to you is that you cannot give up too soon. Don't give up quick. What if he had stopped at 36 forever? And I think sometimes prayer is that way. What if wh- how many times I wonder, have we stopped short of an answer? Because we did not stay with it. Let's do this. Let's go in, in the scriptures. And let's look at a couple of things. Okay, first, let me take you to Luke chapter 2. And I want to begin at verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of a gentleman of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow. So she had this this marriage with, with this man and he died. All right. She was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. All right. Let's talk about Anna for just a moment, and then I want to take you to another uh, woman we know in the Bible as the persistent widow. All right. Anna, in the temple, all these years. 80 plus years, she's there. Day and night, the Bible says, she fasts and she prays. I think this is an amazing, amazing story. I think it's a wonderful example of someone who gave their life for prayer and fasting. I also think, and I'm speaking very honestly and from my heart to you as your pastor, I think she is not the person to model yourself after. And here's the reason. I think her circumstance was very unique. And I think it's noble and wonderful and dramatic and powerful. But most of you are not older widows living in the temple. You have families, you have spouses, and you have children. You have careers, you have responsibilities, you have debts. You have callings upon your life. You have additional extended relationships. And you have a church. And you have a lost world to evangelize. I think it's very noble for a woman who qualified for the assistance of the, of, of, of the spiritual leaders of the day to take care of her as a widow. To return and, and give back for that care. And pray and fast in the temple each day. And she understood the significance, I believe, based on this passage. She understood the significance of the Messiah coming. And she sought to pray for his coming. I think all of that is tremendous. Very tremendous. But I want to challenge you and I that we understand the day and the age and the culture that we live in. And here's what I want you to understand. I have nothing against 24-7 prayer. I have nothing against people praying all the time. I have nothing against prayer groups who, who gather and, and pray all, supposedly all of them. I, I have nothing against intercessory missionaries and all these things. I don't understand all of that fully uh, simply because uh, it's not you know, written out in the Scriptures per se. But I believe that God calls people to intercede. I believe that God calls people to pray and pray often and we're going to look at that that whole concept here a little bit closer in just a moment but here's the thing i don't believe that god will call you to pray to the expense of your marriage or your relationship to your children or even your relationship to your church or to your financial obligations and i believe that if you're called to pray extensively that is awesome But I believe that God has called you to be responsible as an individual and to have a good witness as a Christian and to serve God faithfully in all that you do. And I want you to pray more. But I don't want you to stay in the temple and pray all the time because the lost people are not there. Do you follow that logic? I want you out there in the world being a light. So I want to challenge us that we not... We not swing the pendulum. You know, if, we, if we're over here and we know we need to improve our prayer life, all right, the answer isn't to go over here and lock ourselves away and just pray all the time. Because that's not where the lost are. And we're going we're gonna to preach about crazy prayers. Uh, Pastor David's going to preach about that next week. And we're also going to preach about how to pray for uh, evangelism. Pray evangelistic prayers. That's going to be another one in, uh, in this box of, of sermons on, on prayer. And we'll talk a bit more about that, about praying uh, evangelistically. But what I want you to understand today is that that this is a beautiful example of Anna. And she is a a prototype for us in terms of persevering prayer. But most of you will not live that life. 99.999999999% of you won't, okay? Because we live in a different world and different culture and different circumstances than she does. And I believe that God wants you to be, be very responsible. Fellas, I want you to pray more than you ever have because men don't pray very much. We don't. I'll be the fr- I don't pray enough. I don't support my wife in prayer like I should. I, I'm not being flippant or cavalier here. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't do those things like I should. And, and I, I, I'm trying out of this series to commit more to being the, the, the man of prayer that I need to be. and to pray right and I want to challenge you men that you pray more that we pray with our families more that we pray with one another more that we be fervent in that and ladies that you come into agreement with your husbands and you pray and you support your husbands as, as prayer leaders in your, in your homes and in your, in, in your, in your family circles all of this is very very important all right but, fellas, I want to speak to the men for just a moment. You don't have the privilege to just check out and go pray. All right? You're going to have to be men who are creative and disciplined and organized enough to have a prayer life so that you can fulfill your other roles and responsibilities in life, in particular to be a good, faithful husband, to be a good, faithful father, and to be a good, faithful worker in whatever career or profession God has called you to be in. And see, I think when you do that, your wife's going to come into such agreement with you, and love is going to abound to such degree in your home that your children are going to be aware and your, your prayer life is going to just exponentially explode all around you. And I think we as men in particular, but, but ladies too, we've, we've, gotten, we've gotten this thing flip-flopped or turned around or skewed some way. If we will be faithful into the things that God has entrusted to us, God will be faithful to reward us. And I believe one of the ways that he will reward us is through answered prayer. I really, really believe this. Again, I'm not bashing anybody or any group or any style or or, or or any concept about prayer here. I'm saying let's go back here now as life church and let's stay very simply Bible. And let's just stay in here for a while. Let's just camp within the boundaries of these pages. And just stay right there for a season. And then let's see what God will do. All right? Let's go to Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There, there's a lot here, and we, we can't go into all of it today. But, but I'm telling you, I, I, my prayer is that we are not a church who's just running after a quick fix or a quick answer, but that when God looks down upon life, church, he sees a church that is very faithful. And consistent in their faithfulness, and in particular their faithfulness to pray and to seek his face all right so i 'm not advocating that we just bang the door constantly so that we can just get a quick answer or a quick fix. That is not what I believe God is speaking about here or, or that Jesus is trying to 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 say here. all right. I believe that that in this particular place the, the, the purpose it says was to show them. That they should pray and not give up. Alright? Pray and not give up. And I want to challenge you and I that we live our prayer life out of that. I don't want you and I giving up on the neighborhood. I don't want you and I giving up on the city. I don't want you and I giving up on on, uh, missions work. In various places where we want to go and do missions work. I don't want you giving up on each other. I'm walking over here because I want to look at someone straight, face to face, because she knows my heart and she knows I love her. I will never give up on Cindy. Never, ever give up. And there are others of you who have shared problems and situations with me that have been long term in your life, and I still pray for you. You're, you're uniquely different than Cindy. Cindy's goes with her everywhere she goes. It's visible. Yours may not. Yours may be quite secret, actually. But I don't give up. Alright? Persevere. Now I've promised Cindy that. I will never give up praying for her healing. I believe that God can heal her because God says He heals. I take the, the Scriptures very literal. I will never embarrass her or set her up for, for false hope. Our false assumptions about God or about life. I won't parade her around in front of people. This is a unique context right here in this church. And there's love and there's relationship between all of us. We are a family. And I challenge us all that we live that way in our prayer life too. And so I carry Cindy in in my prayers. And I will always do that until Jesus comes. Or Cindy and I go to heaven, whichever is first. That's how I will persevere. That's how I will knock on the door. Not because he's some kind of judge, not because I have some kind of right, or not even because I just want to worry him until he does it. I don't want to have that kind of relationship with God. I have that with my children sometimes. Can I do this? No. Well, why not? Because I said so. Well, why? I don't want to talk about it right now. Well, I, I just want to go. Can't I just go? No. You need to stop now. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, we won't talk about it anymore. Will you just let me go? Dad, this is the last night. Th- Dad, this is my friends. Dad, I really need to do this. Dad, 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 Dad. Pastor Bill. Uh, fine, go. I'm guilty. War me down. Pros at it. Know how to do it. Been doing it since they were three. I've been caving in since they were three. I know that about me. That's a weakness about me. That is not a weakness about God. You can't force God to do something God does not intend to do. Or is outside of His character. He won't do it. So you can't manipulate God either by fasting and giving up stuff or by demanding and continuing to bang on the door. But he says, I want to teach you something here, and that is that you don't give up. That's my purpose. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 I love this particular passage. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and married the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. They had, they had come back and, and they're in the upper room and, and they're praying. It's talking about the, the, the apostles here, all right? The apostles are, are praying and they're persevering. There are some in leadership in the church that they have a responsibility to pray more and to pray longer and, 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 and all of that. They're called to do that and they're compensated to do that and that is, that is their responsibility as spiritual leaders to do that. They're taken care of by the rest of the flock who takes care of them so that they can do that. But that isn't everybody. And if, you, if I advocate to you that we're all going to go put a room up here on the top and we're all going to go sit in there and every day we're just going to fast and pray until Jesus comes, we have become a cult. That's not who we are. That's not what we're going to do. All right? Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in your hope. Be patient in your affliction. Be faithful in your prayer. Faithful. That's what God is looking for. One who is faithful. One who has faith. One who says, you know what? I don't have the answer, but I'll pray. You know what? I don't have the strength, but I'll pray. You know what? I don't understand, but I'll pray. You know what? I can't fix that, but I'll pray. And so prayer is always the the forefront of, of our response. Because we are faithful in it. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful. Be thankful. Pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. For which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. As I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of of every opportunity. Pray when you can. Pray when you can. I think every one of us, if we were honest, would be able to say, hey, you know what, I have not prayed as much as I should or taken advantage of the opportunities that I've had to pray. But what they're saying, you can't pray 24-7. You you can't do that as the body of Christ here in the local church. You would have to go somewhere else and, and just commit to that. And most of you, your lives don't allow for that here. And so I want to challenge you and I that we begin to pray faithfully. All right? That we, we devote ourselves to prayer. And I love the fact that he says, pray for us. This is the leader, the apostle of the church. Pray for us. Pastor David, I would ask you to do that. Pray for us. Pray for us that, that our message can go forth. All right? I won't ask you to, 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 to turn to these, but First but, uh, Thessalonians chapter 3 Verse 10 says, pray day and night. And then when you get a little further over in Thessalonians, in chapter 5, verse 17, it says, first of all, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That is not a, that's not a, a place of, of, of immediate defeat for you guys, okay? And, and, and I, just, I just want to challenge you as we close this out here. You know, I, I don't know... I don't know how to pray day and night other than to be available to pray day and night. And to, to make use of the opportunities that are given to me. So I don't want you to distort this and go, oh, I just got, I've got to be up day and night. I love it when people come to me and say, it was 3 o'clock this morning, God woke me up and I had to pray. I love it when someone in this church says, I'm getting up an hour earlier now to pray because I need to pray more. Those are, those are great things to do. But I don't want you to to feel any undue legalism here from us as your leaders. But I also don't want you doing foolish things. You've got to be able to function. And I don't want the enemy distorting your mind and getting you to the place where you are deceived to think that the the only thing that matters is if I pray. And if I pray more, then that's the answer. Because that's not the answer. It isn't praying more. It's praying right. Right. And having a right spirit as we pray. Rejoice always. Do you, do you, are you always rejoicing? I'm not. Pray continually. I, are you always praying continually? I'm not. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do you give thanks in all circumstances? I, I don't. But there is a goal out there in my heart to follow God and to be thankful in all things and to see the good in all things. There's a goal in my heart out there that, that every time possible that I can pray at a, at a moment's notice simply because I am in the spirit of prayer at all times. Because the Holy Spirit is in me. And at any given moment, the unction of the Spirit can rise up and I can begin to pray. Rejoice always. I think there is a great joy that comes out of knowing that my God is faithful and that whatever I ask of Him, He will do according to His will. And in that place, I have great rejoicing. I don't rejoice in everything I see on the earth, but I would hope that the things that I see and view on this earth would inspire me and motivate me to a a life of prayer. And I think every one of us can do more than we have done in the past. So I challenge you today, greatly, pray. Don't give up. Don't give up. I believe there's some amazing things that God has for this church.